On this episode, we talk comics, Doctor Who, Dragon Ball Z, and so much more. Hey, it's another Fireside Chat. Let's get to it. Welcome to Panelism, the show where we talk about the comics and graphic novels worth having on your shelf. I am Taylor Trask, and today we are doing another Fireside Chat episode. We had so much fun with Frank Fry that we're doing it again, and this time we're we're dipping into the local talent here in Colorado Springs. You may have heard me mention on several occasions... um, uh, the comic book scene down here. There's a lot of, in addition to uh, um, some amazing creators and artists living in the Springs, there is probably, maybe outside of Portland, the best per capita, I think, comic shops in the town. You've got some killer places. You've got Muse. You've got um, Kapow Coffee and Comics. And you have what I consider to be an institution, Escape Velocity Comics, which is both in downtown Colorado Springs, and then there's a second shop kind of out on the east side. Uh, where's What's the what's the best way to s- describe that store? Um, over off of Powers next to the IMAX. Perfect. So, so when we're talking about comic shops, like I, I, you know, I'm really picky about sort of both the ambiance of the shop, the selection, but also the team, the staff who's there. And, you know, it, much like a great record store from like the 70s or 80s like you know you want you want a staff that has a really diverse opinion but also is really fun to talk to and just you know kind of gets you enthusiastic about reading um comics and graphic novels and kind of pulling you further into that world and uh, one of those people is on the show today i met him through my uh kind of recurring appearances at the escape velocity book club which is excellent by the way and just thought when we we're doing these fireside chats had to pull him in Really funny guy, um, works down here uh, at the Bijou shop, but also at the Power Shop too. Daniel Rojas, how are you, sir? Oh, it is early on a Sunday morning, but I'm awake and I am here. <laughs> Excellent. That's all we ask of you. That's all we ask of you here at Panelism. It's We try to record these on Sundays. It's just a little easier, but I appreciate you getting out of bed, man, pulling yourself down here. Um, I hope we can talk. We're going to talk about a lot of things, a lot of things today. Um, <laughs> hope we don't get too sidetracked, but I guess let the folks know, kind of give us a quick little you know, bio. Who are you? What, how, how did you end up at, at the shop? Uh, all that good stuff. Uh, my name is Daniel, as you heard. Um, how I ended up at the shop. Uh, wow. So I, I moved back here from Austin, Texas and was working at a restaurant, which was, you know, it, it's a restaurant job. You, you get your tips, you do your thing. But I started going to Escape Velocity, and mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I need to work here. Mm-hmm. This is, it's a it's a cool comic book store. Mike was there. If you don't, if you know uh, Escape Velocity, you know Mike. And uh, you know, I applied, and I kept just calling back every week until they got so sick of me. They're like, okay, we either kill this guy or we hire him. And uh, thankfully, they went with hire. Nice. Yeah, it was pretty good. Nice. And what, uh, moving back to the Springs, I guess, did you? Um, how does the Austin scene compare to the spring scene? Oh, wow. Uh, so in Austin, the thing I love the most is you can you don't need a car. You can just ride a bike or mm-hmm. you know take the, the transit system anywhere. There's beautiful lakes. There's live music every night. Great food. The tacos. Colorado Springs doesn't have anything on uh, Austin's tacos. I'm sorry. Yeah. But, man. We're going to catch up to that. <laughs> oh, oh, the tacos. Um, but I love Colorado Springs, too. It's It's home. It's where I grew up. It's... It's nice. Nice. How long have you been reading comics? 
Um, I'd say my first comic was uh, actually a Bishop comic from mm -hmm. the 90s, but I, I got it when I was about uh, 10 or 11, mm -hmm. and um, it was just diving into his backstory. So I'd say about 10 or 11 is when I first started to really get into comics. Cool. My parents thought they were devil books growing <laughs> up, so, you know, not really not really a chance to jump in earlier than no, that. Did, they, did, they, did you end up being one of those unfortunate kids who had, like, your collection purged when your parents were like, this is nonsense, just oh, throw this out? Yeah, they would look for new hiding spots that I kept the comics, and then they'd, they'd have you watch them tear them up. Oh, no. So many good comics gone, man. Oh. I eventually, um, <laughs> we went to a garage sale, and I found a briefcase. And they're like, oh, he wants to be a little businessman. There was a combination on it, and that's where I kept my comics. And mm. one day they figured that out, and they're oh. like, open it up. Open it up, show me what's inside. And, of course, you know, it's the 90s, so the costumes are scantily clad. Oh, and, yeah. You know, and they're like, oh, so this is what you like. Ripped them up. Yeah. But Shucks. Well, now that's... I work at a comic book store, and I'm an adult, and they can't touch me. There you go, man. <laughs> and you have access to all this cool stuff. Um what I guess when you guys started doing the book club, you, you tend to be the host over yes. at Escape Velocity Book Club, which I appreciate. It actually gives me all kinds of interesting things to talk about on this show. <laughs> um, it's just it, but it, it does. It really sort of as as sort of an MC of that event, like you really do kind of set a great tone and, and great enthusiasm. I guess what is is performing or is is oh, it's you know definitely performing like all that's in your blood, obviously. Yeah, I, I'm I'm most comfortable in front of a crowd that I don't uh, necessarily have to. Uh, go home with you yeah know what I mean? yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so much easier i think that's why i like doing the podcast i used to do uh bingo nights at a bars before that i did a little bit of stand-up um before that in texas i would um get you know people involved in the church that i was used to go to i'm no longer doing that before that um i would uh, do stuff at the imax theater back here um when there were midnight premieres back when people mm -hmm. had to go hours before to get their seats. Uh, okay, pause there real quick. I actually miss those days. Those were some great days, man. I've lamented the sort of the, the loss, the, the death of the midnight sh you know pre preview. Like back when they'd say, you know, it would, a movie would open on a Friday and then like the first showing would be the mid the Thursday before midnight. Mm -hmm. That would be the only time. Now it's like 7 p.m. Thursday oh my God. night. <laughs> it's even getting earlier. Oh, God. And, and the fact that you can buy your tickets ahead of time and there's not that scramble to... Uh, we got to get to the theater now. Well, it's two days before the movie. What do you mean? Yeah. People are camping out. Got to get to the theater now. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's almost like the death of like, you know, when I'm sure at some point people lamented, you know, standing in line the night before for a, a concert, right. you know, going yeah. to the stadium and standing there and we're all going to hang out together and be first in line. <laughs> I mean, you know, now that I'm, you know, hitting the thirties, uh, <laughs> let me tell you, I think this is our, is going to be our, uh, middle-aged man thing right you know? I, think yeah, so. I think so you know? i think so well it, part of it's like you know, i was feeling it, it almost transitioned right around the time i was feeling like man i don't know how long I, much longer i can do this i love it but then it transitioned but then the thing you lose it you cannot beat the midnight crowd of a new movie oh. like there's an energy to it that just you appreciate the film on a, such a different level and that's why i love doing those events where you'd have to go out there and you had hours to fill yeah so you yeah, have yeah. to set up games you'd have to get the whole crowd just ready to go and uh it, it was a lot of fun, man. But uh, nowadays, you know, people just show up and like, hey, it could be 15 minutes before the movie. We bought our tickets in advance. Know. We know where our seats are. Yeah. No one's going to take them. Shuck. It's fine and it's convenient, but fine and convenient is not exciting. Yeah. One more thing to t uh, plug uh, before I forget. You also are on a podcast, a really great podcast called Escaping Podcast. Yes. Um, is, or is that the Escaping Podcast? So, so it's just the Escaping Podcast. Cool, okay. I mean, we tried thinking of different names, you know, with uh, the store, but then we weren't the store's podcast. Um, Escape Pod, but we're like, ah, no, that's not us. And we're like, okay, 
escaping the escaping podcast and just kind of landed there. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it's weird because most podcasts don't have the word podcast in their name. I know. Right. And when we came to after, you know, a month or so, we're like, it's a little weird. But that's what makes it ours. Yeah, so. I love it. Well, it's been you guys have kind of come along. I mean, even it, it, uh, in the short episodes or the few episodes you've done so far, like you guys have evolved nicely. Like I'm just, I love it because like we we all kind of start in that same place <laughs> oh, of like, yeah. how do we do this? Where are we going? like, and then just see it kind of build as you go is really fun. So, man, I can't. Uh, I guess is there anything upcoming that you want to talk about or promote real quick? So on that? we actually uh, just restructured the show to be a little bit more series based. Before it was you know one shot kind of episodic. Mm-hmm. This is what we're talking about this week. Um, starting with our last episode, we're doing a Black History Month series. Um, I won't really uh, say what we have for next month. It's kind of a keeping it under wraps. Don't want you to peek too much behind the mm. kimono. But um, we, we're, we're doing a more series-based, so that way we all have a chance to do a little bit more research. And instead of it being our opinions on it, we can get into the history of what some of these comics really are. Nice. Where they started, what the struggle was, who decided they didn't want to be on it, who pulled the Jack Kirby and said, I'm done, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to the competition. But, uh, yeah, no, um, just check it out. It's on Spotify. Right now we're having some issues with uh, Apple Podcasts and Google Play, but Spotify is the best place to find this. Nice. More and more Spotify seems to be kind of the default place. Everybody's yeah. going. You know, that's interesting. They're reliable. Yeah, that's true. Well, let's jump in. Um, one of the things we like to talk about, obviously, on the show are the comics and graphic novels worth having on your shelf. Um, so I always like to ask guests in here, and, and this may go any number of ways, so I, I won't hold you to it, but are there, if you could, if you could pick <laughs> three to five sort of series or individual books or even one-shots that have kind of shaped your fandom of comics that if you look back and you're like, you know, if my house ever burned down, mm-hmm. I'd run in and save these books because I know, you know, these will keep me, keep me sort of sane through the, through the stress of everything. Okay. Um, right off the bat, I'd have to say the, uh, Messiah saga from, um, the X-Men series. It was mm-hmm. after, um, you know, when Hope Summers was born and, mm-hmm. uh, was it Messiah complex, Messiah, uh, war. And there's another one, which I'm blanking on, but, um, the, it, it's a three, book arc and it is it's just so cool the way it travels across space and time and you've got cable you've got bishop and it's there is eternal struggle over this young mutant girl and her place as the mutant messiah mm. it, it's it's so good that, that'd be the first one well, real quick on that and this is this is my ignorance of like all the x-men continuity <laughs> did have they had a chance yet to name check or deliberately reference that in house powers of 10 or any of the new oh hickman oh. Yeah, just with that Messiah storyline. Oh my line. god, yeah. So she is now part of the five, which are the team that resurrect mutants now. That they have this, She is one of the five. She is, okay. Yeah, she is the conduit. Okay. They all work really well, but then when you have Hope who can mimic abilities yeah. and channel it through everyone, oh, it, it, it's um, it's a symphony. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Cool. Yeah. So that's Messiah's. That's one. That's oh, so good. Um, You know, I, I've had some controversy with some people talking about this, and this is a little more recent, but Black Science. I, mean, I know. I was hoping he'd say Black Science. Oh, now, yeah. <laughs> I, we had a Black Science book club last year, and it became clear to me very quickly. I'm like, oh, this is one of, this is religion to him. He yeah. loved. <laughs> now, what black, what hooked you into Black Science? Um, I love the flawed characters. These are not, it's, it's space travel, it's t- dimensional travel, it's. These people going from reality to reality, messing up everything they touch, but they're not heroes. They're flawed people. They're human. And they all are selfish in one way or another, with the exception of maybe one or two characters. And I've always liked the idea of not dealing with the Superman archetype. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't want someone whose perfect smile is in my face. I want someone who is just as messed up as me, who will sometimes make the wrong choice at the wrong time. 
And yet there's still this human aspect of we're all just trying. Mm-hmm. And they're all just trying. Even even the, the antagonists, I wouldn't call them bad guys, that's kind of rude, but the antagonists, um, you can still see their uh, motives and why they're doing what they're doing. It's it's kind of nice. Like when, you know, the villain in movies and uh, media stop being so black and white and you start to understand, oh, there's this big gray area that mm-hmm. we all live in that no one's really looking at. Mm-hmm. I, I love that about it. Um, also, the idea of fighting against uh, what may be preordained, uh, was it? Uh, wow, can't think of words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it may be uh, set in stone. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Fighting against it and saying, I can change, I can be this, even if everything else in the universe is saying, no, you were designed for this one purpose. Mm. So that'd be number two. Well, you, there's something with black science too in the onion metaphor that mm-hmm. we, we don't want to spoil anything, <laughs> but like if you ever see on the cover, there's like a kind of a, one of the things I love about image is that a lot of their creators really lean heavily into graphic design oh, it's beautiful. for either the cover art or even like the way the, the layout works. But there's that onion logo that you see in the black science. It's, it's very recognizable, but that is more than just a flourish. Like that's an actual like metaphor for the series in a lot of ways. It, it, it really is the series. It's the one thing that could define it right there. Yeah. And Matteo Scalera knows that. And his art is, <laughs> Oh, it's chef kiss beautiful. Yeah, 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 it is very good. And that's, you know, our, it actually, I, I hate to admit this. I actually took, I love it now, but it took me, a, a, it actually took the book club to kind of get me, to force me to read it because at first blush, I was like, I don't know if, I, I'm really finicky about art sometimes. Mm-hmm. And not that it was bad. I'm just like, I don't know if this is my cup of tea right now. And then the book club kind of forced me to read. I'm like, you know, actually this is working for me really well. So yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it just it, it asks a little more of you, I think, than something that's a little cleaner. There's just something about it that once you realize how it meshes with the story, then it really starts to, to work. Well, and I think you, you said it right there. Yeah, it, it's it's not clean. Yeah. It's, yeah. You can see the straight lines that other people use. And then you see the chaos that is his art. Yeah. And you're like, wait, those colors bleed into these colors in a weird way. But it's the story, you know. Yeah, it, it's, it's intentional. Oh man. Yeah. Is uh, that has that series ended? Oh yeah. Okay. And I cried. You did. Okay. So oh, you, you were happy with the end. Okay. <laughs> the ending was so perfect, and at, the, the one of the best things is uh, I got to the last issue, and it's mm-hmm. a thick issue, and uh, Rick Remender in the foreword says, "Hey." Listen to this album mm-hmm. while you're reading this issue, mm. and oh, oh, it was hitting beat for beat, man, and mm. uh, maybe that's why I cried. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it had a score to it. it. Yeah, it was what he had in mind and what he was listening to when he wrote it. It's, uh, it was it was fantastic. Um, you know, I could talk about black science all day, uh, but that wasn't the question you asked. That's me. all right. No, no, that's good. <laughs> I just I'm, I'm always curious because we have a lot of these series now. And I get we lean so heavily into image on this on the show, and I don't intend to. It just we ended up coming back to there. But so mm-hmm. many of these kind of like, I would say series across you know any publisher from the last five or so years are kind of coming to an end. Mm-hmm. You know, you got Black Science, you had um, Wicked and Divine, you have East to West, you have all yeah. these different series that are had been with us for so long. Um, uh, what was the other one? Oh, uh, shoot! Invincible j- just ended recently. That was yeah. That's also on my list. It's great because it's it's the best superhero story I've ever read. It's it's a perfect coming of age in a universe where even after it ends, spoilers, the universe still, you get to see it going on in like just little clips here and there saying, hey, yeah, you know, the story's over, but the world's still turning. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, so, where, where, I mean, Invincible, did you start reading that from issue one or uh, when did you? No, no, no. That's a long, <laughs> that's a long canon. So um, I actually, I started right before it, it, it finished by about maybe, let's say six months. Okay. And I was doing this thing. I was new at the comic book store. And, um, excuse me. Um, 
everyone gave me a list. Mm-hmm. Here's what you need to read. And we had so many slow days and I was able to take some books home. I just started knocking it out. First volume of Invincible, I I thought, okay, kind of corny. Mm-hmm. Kid gets powers, but I want to see where this goes. Then I read the second one, and I'm like, something's not right here. Something mm-hmm. there, There's something underneath, the right under the surface. And then when you get to that Omni-Man turn, mm-hmm. I was hooked. Yeah. And yeah. I just I, – I, I didn't want to eat anything other than Invincible. That's mm-hmm. all that I was craving. And there were so many moments. My coworker and I would be sitting there, and I'd hit a beat where something – horrible happened mm-hmm. and I'd have to stop and he's like what's wrong I'm like, I need to go take a walk <laughs> and it's just such good storytelling the yeah. way that he did it man um, that is um, Walking Dead Robert Kirkman yep. and uh, Walking Dead I didn't even read until you know just recently how do you think that dude I mean there's a couple creators who are so prolific like it baffles the mind that they're able to have you know one just one great series alone is a lot of work. And some of these guys have five, six, seven series that are concurrent. Yes. And it's just like, and it, the fact that he was able to wrangle both Invincible and Walking Dead, plus some other stuff, but those two, and at that quality, which Invincible, the thing, the trick about, the magic trick of that for me is every volume gets better and better and better and better. Yes. It's like they, it just, he keeps rethinking how to do it and he just gets better and better at doing that thing. Mm-hmm. And not that the previous volumes or issues are bad, but it's just it, to see a series get only stronger as it goes was just amazing. And I think that's the thing because we, we are experiencing Mark growing up and yeah. maturing and the book does it with him. Yeah. And that yeah. is so cool because you don't see a lot of books that do that. They're Both in the of, art and the story. Oh my God, Ryan yeah. Otley's art going through, it gets... So much more um, intentional, I think, mm-hmm. is the word I'm looking for. When you get to the um, the big brain guy. Um, oh, God, of course. Oh, man. I'm stuck, too. Yep. Um, Fu- furious Googling is happening right now. <laughs> you can hear that in the background. Uh, it's going to hit me. Um, Christ. But uh, basically, when they get to that arc, and it, it's really, you know, he's going through dimensions, and uh, he has to fight himself multiple times. Mm-hmm. The art becomes so much more intentional, and the storytelling isn't like, oh, here, face nega invincible. It's like, no, dude, here's what you could have been. Yeah. And yeah. Oh, even to the point with um, Adam Eve, after he's gone for so long and mm-hmm. he comes back and she's gained weight because of the pregnancy and yeah. everything. Yeah. And the way they dealt with that was so good because she can change how she looks. Yeah. But he's like, no, like, this is who you are. And it, it's so body positive. Um, the fact that his. Uh, friend who's making all the gay jokes before he turns out, yeah, he, this, this guy was, you know, closeted and yeah. now he's out and he's happy and it's, yeah. it's wonderful. Oh. And then the way they're able to, like, I always, whenever you can do that in a way that serves a story, like, first and foremost, and isn't yes. just there as, like, a, you know, like, we're going to be PC, like, that's eh, fine, but, like, I'd rather serve the story. Right. Invincible, like, it's so a part of the story that they can just play in all these sandboxes and it feels completely justifiable and what's going like all of that stuff just it feeds into the greater narrative which i love i'm like do that all the time yes no and and kirkman i mean he's really good at that walking dead was fantastic so much better than the show i was satisfied with the way it ended yeah um and 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 not not to dunk on the man in any way shape or form i i just i i didn't get that same hype from oblivion song Mm. 
and a lot of people seem to enjoy it. I guess it's just not my cup of tea at the moment. I agree with you on that. Yeah. I, I've been pe- keeping tabs on it. Same, yeah. And just like, to. well, we'll see, you know, at some point. But something about Invincible, you know, the other thing about Invincible that hooked me, because I came in around the Viltrumet War. Oh, um, man. And so a lot had already happened <laughs> that I had to catch up on quickly. And they did this beautiful thing. I forget which uh, trade paperback it was. but they And maybe they do it in multiple ones. But they did this thing where it's like, in like two pages, they were like, here's the, to catch you up. Boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. And it was like just enough where I'm like, oh, I know what this is all about now. And I could Wikipedia <laughs> a little bit more. And eventually I went back and reread. But right. I, it was such a great mechanism to just get me in at that point. And then to realize, and this is a weird kind of crossover, but there is so much. I'm, we're both big Dragon Ball Z fans. Mm-hmm. We talked about before we started recording. <laughs> and there's this. The, uh, there's so much of like. Not that he's ripping it off, but like there's so many kind of similarities with the Saiyans coming to Earth and kind of blending in oh, amongst absolutely. the Earthlings and the Viltrumites doing kind of the same mm-hmm. thing and just their sort of godlike Saiyan-like power and the fact they all have black hair. And yeah. just, I was like, wait a second, this <laughs> that, is... That very distinct mustache. Yeah, the Viltrumite <laughs> mustache, which, you know, at some point, n- not quite spoilers, but like to, you know, when they kind of wrap the series up, you get to see where different characters are. You're like, man, that mustache is not, <laughs> yes. not going away. No, it's not. It's still there. <laughs> Awesome. So, okay, we have a Messiah, we have Black Science, we have Invincible. And, I mean, there's one that I know that you know that I'm going to talk about, oh, yeah. and that's East of West. All right. So this is, <laughs> for people listening who are sick to death of me talking about East of West, oh, which I don't God. do it that much. <laughs> I just, I bring it up enough. It's like, it's almost like, you know, the Old Testament. Like, you bring it up, like, you have to reference it. Because um, it's so important for me in terms of my re- kind of rebirth into comics. But then also you've got Jonathan Hickman, who is, I mean, other than oh, Kirk Kirkman, man. probably one of the most prolific creators. And just, I mean, the things that come out of that guy's head on a regular basis, amazing. Yeah. You know, if he had just done East of West, I'd been like, well done, yeah. career over, like yeah. great. But he <laughs> has all this other stuff. So what was it about East of West that hooked you in? Immediately, um, as someone who grew up in a, uh, a church background, my, mm-hmm. my dad was a big tent revival pastor growing up. So you hear a lot about the fire and the brimstone and the end of the world. And then after my falling out with the church and, and religion in general, I still love the mythos of it. Mm-hmm. In, in the same way I love Greek mythology or, mm-hmm. or anything like that. And when you get into the four horsemen of the apocalypse and one of them doesn't want to do what he's designed to do, Immediately, I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. please tell me more. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, kind of like what we were talking about with um, Grant McKay from uh, uh, Black Science. Yeah, him fighting against what he was designed to do, quote unquote, mm-hmm. and you know, kind of breaking the system. You see death breaking the system again, mm-hmm. and it, you know, I had seen it. I'd seen the cover, and I'm like, this is. This looks like a dumb western. I don't know if I'm gonna <laughs> read this. And then I saw who wrote it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, so you were already a Hickman fan oh, at that point? Okay, Fantastic Four, Hickman. Ah, okay. The Council of Reeds, brilliant. Mm-hmm. Everything he did uh, with Avengers and New Avengers, leading up to Infinity and uh, Secret Wars, which redefined the Marvel Universe in such a cool way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, and Manhattan Projects. Yeah. How can you ever forget a crazy wild ride like Manhattan Projects? <laughs> oh man, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <And> <laughs> that book. Um, I mean, my it's. I've I've talked about this too, but like you have to think of when you think about Hickman, go all the way back to the very beginning. His very first creator own thing. The very first thing he did at period was the nightly news. And just that 
would have been enough to be like, dude, that you career aren't great, career, great career. You did it. I'm like <laughs> the fact that that was his very first thing. And it's like, and he wrote it and illustrated it, but he has that, you know, he kind of, he wasn't the best artist. So he did that wonderful thing mm. where he did like photo referencing and all that great stuff, which, which was fantastic. I think it was great. But you add into that, like all the graphic design elements, like in, you know, charts and flow charts and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. it, you can kind of see the the birth of all the stuff that he has used effectively since then. Oh, even in House of X, like it all kind of the nexus point was nightly news. So then, like I East of West was my introduction to Hickman, yeah. and I was like, who is this man? And then to find <laughs> all the other stuff and Manhattan Projects well, and, and all that. And going into it and the way that he writes it, the way yeah. that he writes Death versus all the other characters, it's so different. Yeah, it's yeah. it's set. Um, I, I guess I, cause I, I grew up watching westerns with my dad, very very John Wayne, you know, yeah. kind of guy. And um, I love the western trope, but this was a different kind of gunslinger. And mm -hmm. the fact that it's death, and the fact that he's just trying to find his wife, I love it. Nothing's gonna stand in his way. Yeah. And everyone knows he's death. So yeah. what are you gonna yeah. do? You gonna kill death? No, you're not gonna kill death. The alternate history. Yeah. The Civil War not ending, but the two, you know, uh, and and with my Native American background. Seeing them as the most technologically advanced people. That is what hooked me. Holy shit. So I grew up in South Dakota. <laughs> oh, say shit? You can say shit all you want. <laughs> say whatever. Um, I grew up in South Dakota where, you know, we have a lot of reservations. And I just, I had a lot of friends who are indigenous. And, and so I, I had a kind of a, a baseline for that. And to kind of know why, you know, the, the uh, kind of the, the, the raw the raw card that, you know, tribes were dealt and just kind of the history of, oh, yeah, of indigenous, man. you know, all of that. And then to see that completely flipped and to have, Hey, red cloud pulled a Genghis Khan and united all the tribes and they yes. became the endless nation. I was yes. like, I saw that in that East to West oh. one, you know, the world one shot in the very first two pages. I'm like, Holy crap. I want to see just a story about that dude. Right? Like, yes. and then to have it, and, but then at, and just at that alone would have been enough, but then to flip it even further and say, and they all abandoned their spiritual kind of thing for absolute technology, technological supremacy, mm -hmm. losing that kind of the, where they came from. And that part of them that was, that made them uniquely, you know, kind of American, like trading that. And then the struggle amongst the, the endless nation about what have we lost? What have we gained? That oh, was amazing. God. And, you know? and it creates this whole new spiritual background for them. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the coolest thing. Uh, the, what is it? The crow and the wolf? Or, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, oh man. Are you, are you, are you caught up? I'm all you? the way through, yeah. Okay. The relationship with uh, the wolf and um, the the young prince. Yeah, yeah. Oh. from, the, from uh, the New Orleans. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That was the most beautiful thing because I'm like, oh, wait, no. Well, and then you read the backstory and you're like, this is fantastic. Those are brothers. Yeah. Those are brothers no matter what happens. From two, and from two cultures that like, I mean, th the kingdom of New Orleans was interesting too because they took all the free slaves and like, here, here's your own, kind of almost put them on their own reservation and then they turned it into this like Wakanda <laughs> yeah, of sorts, yes, yeah. which is awesome. I'm like, it, but what's interesting, I mean, yeah, there's, it's, it's exaggerated, but you could almost look at the way they set up America at the beginning and go, I could see how this happens. China invades the West mm. Coast and it's the People's Republic of China. Like, I, it all sort of made sense and it, you're like if if one thing had changed if an asteroid had hit missouri at this time <laughs> this could have sort of put in motion these different changes so like that just that alone was interesting but then you have the apocalypse you have all this other stuff the other thing about it that i love is there, a lot of books do this but i think this one more than any other you can hear the voice in your head of every single one of those Absolutely, characters dude like to the point where it's it's almost more it's drawn very cinematically anyway like oh, yeah. dragada's art on that is pitch perfect but you hear like i hear 
any of the you know when we start off the story we have like all the different presidents of the different factions like i don't even have to think twice about what they sound like no, i know by their look and their there. dialogue yeah i i hear the gravel in death's voice almost every time yeah it, it, it gives me chills um and you know i could talk about this book for oh please ages well, but let me ask um, two other questions did you like the ending without spoiling anything so fun fact I uh, got shorted that in my box. Oh, no. So I'm still waiting on a special ordered copy. Oh, man. We'll have to revisit that. Uh Uh-huh. And I I, I tell you, I've I've just been sitting here waiting, checking on it. (laughs) I'm so close to, and and this is, (laughs) shouldn't say this uh, alive or anything, but I'm so close to not going through my comic book store right now because Diamond Uh, is Diamond. And just finding it anywhere just to read. I I won't read it digitally. Sure. I want to feel it in my hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, okay, so there's that. But then do you, the other question is, they've flirted with a few years now with doing some kind of live-action adaptation. Good idea or bad idea? It depends on what route they go. Mm. Um, if they go TV show and they go through someone like, let's say, HBO or um, who else has been doing it? Even Amazon right now. Uh, their Boys series and um, uh, Good Omens, fantastic. Mm-hmm. I've not seen uh, His Dark Materials yet on HBO or uh, what's the other one, Carnival Row. Mm-hmm. But I hear that those work really well. If they go that route and do the TV show aspect, I'm I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. If they are dumb enough to try and make a movie out of this, <laughs> I will boycott it. I will <laughs> I will do a smear campaign. I will cyber bully whoever I have to to get it you know off. Um, I mean, no. we already have the Dark Tower. That should serve as warning for anybody. That like, should... don't even attempt this crap. How in are one you going to try and take so much good material <laughs> and put it in one movie? I understand wanting a franchise that has nine movies. Yeah. But you're not Fast and Furious or Star Wars. Yeah. So, you know, put it in a TV show. Let people enjoy it. Yeah. 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 Uh, I guess my last book for you is, yeah. is a tie. And it's going to be a weird tie because I love both these books equally. And that is uh, Saga mm. and I Hate Fairyland. <gasps> oh, my God. Okay. so Because I can't live without either of them. <laughs> Would you put these at the top of your list? Oh, yeah. Okay, so I, I I hate to admit this. I've admitted this before. It's not new, <laughs> not a new information. But for you, you may you may judge me. I have not started Saga yet. I understand it is something. <laughs> I understand. I on the other side, I absolutely adore. I hate Fairyland. Oh my um, god! And Scott, you know Scott. Uh, Scotty Young. Scotty Young. Thank you. I was going to say Scott McCloud. That's other <laughs> another great guy, but yes. not different. Guy. Um, Scotty Young though, like I would say, like. That that series really appeals to me because a it's it was kind of very short and kind of self contained, oh, yeah. um, which it doesn't have to be for that story. It needed to end at a certain point, and it did. Um, but it, it's other than Rick and Morty, like <laughs> this is like that. Ne- it, like this sh- this could easily be an animated series, but I'm mm-hmm. glad it isn't because I like it works best as a as a comic it's series. Perfect the way it is. But it's just again, you can hear uh, Gerda's or is Gertrude. Gertrude, Gertrude. Thank you. You can hear Gertrude's like voice very yes. clearly in your head, and it's just like, and then her little like. Uh, uh, her little Jiminy Cricket friend who uh, accompanies oh, her. Oh, yeah. Uh, Larry. Larry, thank you. <laughs> and he's just, he's bloodshot eyes. He's drinking all the time. He's always got a stogie in his mouth. Yeah. And he started off so young. Yeah. He was all, he was all, hey, you know, wish upon a star. And I was like, okay, kid. <laughs> We're going to go over That's here right. now. It's one of those things. And my, one of my favorite things, other than the, the wonderful art style of Scotty Young just going balls to the wall. Here's uh, the moon getting his brains blown out. Here's a bunch of uh, samurai that are mushrooms. It, the the uh, muffin-hugging you know, flavor of it where she can't cuss. Yeah, And yeah. almost every time it's something slightly different. And I'm yeah. like, that's beautiful. That's the way he writes it. It's like, it's, it's funny. Uh, you kind of feel for Gertrude, but you're also like, she's a piece of shit. So. Yeah, yeah. 
It's it's it, what an interesting conceit though, and you you read it, you're like, wow, I can't believe this hadn't been done yet. Right. Like it seems so <laughs> obvious once it's on the page, like this this like thirty year old woman trapped in this like you know ten year old's body yeah. or twelve year old's body and having to navigate all this, and it's like and just but, but, and constantly have the world just standing in her way, and then you know what was the uh, what was the B story. Um, wasn't there like another little girl who got brought oh, yeah. in and she was having like the idyllic kind of version of that? Uh, she was the one who could come in and uh, her name was Joy or uh, something like that. Something to that effect. Yeah. And um, the, the whole uh, B story there was Gertrude was not a citizen so that no one could really kill her. Mm. But if any other child came in and did what she couldn't, yeah. Gertrude is now a yeah. citizen of Fairyland and therefore can be killed. Yeah. And the queen, uh, she, yeah, she's all about it. Uh, Claudia. Claudia, yeah. <laughs> the names, man. The art, the names, the the old dark one who, like, loves Gertrude like a daughter because she's so evil. <laughs> it just, it does have that sort of Rick and Morty, like, just, like, irreverence and just kind of, like, very contemporary, like, way of talking. Like, slide it, slotted into this, like, you know, oh, this, yeah. this trope that you know of, which is stories and you know like <laughs> even in the beginning like you mentioned it like that you know the every all these different you know characters are tra- taking a turn as the narrator the moon oh, and, oh yeah and it just constantly gets like you know they set the tone yes. right away the mouse in the second one who comes in is like who am i covering for today <laughs> oh no oh no it just sees a pot like uh, bodies everywhere <laughs> yeah yeah what so that that okay so that's what well, i guess what brought what sucked you into that besides all those wonderful things you know uh my my, my co-worker brandon arnold uh also a good friend um he uh He's the one who's like, just give it a read, see how you feel about it. You might hate it, you might love it. Mm-hmm. And I picked it up in the first two pages, man. I couldn't put it down. I I devoured that thing in half an hour. And I'm like, where is volume two? I need it now. And he's like, oh yeah. By the time it finished, I think it's the perfect ending for that story. But what really kept me going was, it, it's kind of the same formula, you know, where she's bashing everyone's brains in and she's doing all this crazy chaotic stuff. But if you look at it, there is a, a story that is, like, right through it where this poor lady just wants to go home. Mm-hmm. And then you've got, what is it, Duncan Dino? Yeah. The kid. Yeah. And, and I feel so bad for this kid because now he's stuck there, too. Yeah. But uh, I, I guess I, I always love the flawed characters that you're not supposed to root for. Yeah. Because I'm like, yeah, no, I feel that. Um, she just wants to go home, man. She, she would not kill any of you if you could just send her home. She... It may be in her thirties, but she misses her parents. Yeah, she misses what it was like to be a you know a, a kid and grow up normally and be around normal people instead of a muffin hugging. Yeah, you know, place like this. Um, it, it's it, that, that's what kept me going. And cool. by the very end, when you hit her end, it's very bittersweet. And uh, but it was so appropriate. It was so appropriate, man. There's no other way that series could end. And I'm so glad it did. That it just it's. Man, Scott Young is. I, I. It's weird to me that he's writing, but not. I love the art of Middle West. Love the art of Middle West, but it's just weird that he's only writing it because I mean, you're so used to seeing his iconic style. I think he's switching into that in writer mode. Yeah. Now I, I made the mistake of he did one um, about middle schoolers, uh, uh, Bully Wars. Okay. And Actually, that's I, news to me. I. I feel bad because I I went into it thinking it was going to be another I Hate Fairyland. Mm -hmm. Art style, very similar. Mm -hmm. This is a book for young readers. It's not for me. And I didn't know that till the last issue. And then I got a little angry where I'm like, how (laughs) dare you make me read five issues of this bullshit? And then at the end, I realized this is a kid's book. Yeah. yeah. I didn't like it. And that that put me in a cynical view for Middle West. Okay. I had to go back recently and just start again and be like, okay, it's not Bully Wars. Just look at it from a whole new uh, perspective. Yeah. So... Middle West, I it, 
I love it. Just the look of it. I can just look at it all day long. Oh, yeah. But the more they're playing with it, the more I'm like, man, this may be explicitly written for me. <laughs> like, there's so much about it that's so my aesthetic that I'm like, man, this mm-hmm. is a little eerie. Like, East to West hit that a lot of times, too. But this is just like something about it. reminds me of my childhood. It just yeah. has this kind of like quality to it. This. Yeah. It, it, you can almost smell the, you know, the colors. Yeah. <laughs> great way to put it. Okay. Well, let's, let's, let's save the best for last. Saga. I mean, no need no not necessary to explain you know why but i guess where did you fall into that series like i mean it's expansive it's huge like where did you much like invincible first week on the job wow um again i got a list from cj yeah and he's like this is essential reading see what you like cross off ones you don't like saga not only sucked me in but made me forget everything else that was going on in my life for a while. It's wow. where I couldn't keep up with a lot of things because I'm like, hold on, what is going on with these books? Mm-hmm. The art is beautiful. Brian K. Vaughn's writing is amazing. And when you when you pair his writing with Fiona Staples' art, you get magic. Mm-hmm. Not even just magic in the sense of it was good. Magic in the sense of you have a whole new world with a whole new history that you did not know you needed to be a part of. Mm-hmm. It's... Wonderful, the narrative of Hazel from the future talking about her her past. And sometimes she's like, just because two people love each other doesn't mean they're good for each other. Just little mm-hmm. things like that while you're having a sweet moment. Uh, Prince Robot and the idea of this royalty that has TVs for heads. Um, a ghost who was cut in half who was the perfect babysitter for your baby. It, it, <laughs> everything about this series is something that you didn't know you needed in your yeah. life. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's on a hiatus. I hope not indefinitely, but if you get a chance, catch up. Oh my jump god! In. Yeah, it's been. A, it's I've been meaning to, but because it's so expansive, I have, I'm like I kind of need the space because I know I'll get sucked in in a similar way. So I kind of now that East to West is done, that might kind of fill that void because I mean, I'm gonna I, need something epic. I've got the first. Uh, is it a compendium or omnibus that has everything so far? Wow. So. Uh, yeah, I'll lend that to you and happily. Uh, yeah. Yeah, man. Take as long as you want with it. It's. It's a good slow ride. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I, you know, it's a lot of times in comics, like it seems like you either have a very, I say straightforward loosely, but like a kind of focused premise and you kind of work within those. And like, again, East to West is kind of like that. Like we have the four horsemen and we have this alternate reality kind of us great go. Like aliens aren't going to drop in at any point during East of West. You kind of know what you're going to get. Something like saga feels like it. There's a very grounded story being told, but they've really, they've left the top open. So whatever they imagine, I mean like the royalty with TVs on their heads, like, cause sometimes you see creators do that just for the cover. It's like, well, we're going to put this cool thing in <laughs> and it's like, like that's a neat idea, but it doesn't really right. mesh as well. And saga, it, everything kind of meshes in, but it can be as interesting or as fantastical like any, Oh, could yeah. happen and and you know fiona stables is just like giddy as hell knowing i can make whatever creature i want and that's what's in this story yeah it, it's bringing it to life I, I i would have one honorable mention for a series and i'll keep it short on this uh lock and key has been a great mm. one I, I read that about shoot i want to say maybe 10 years ago um, when it started, from my, my buddy uh, suggested it to me, and I'm like, this art is awful. This storyline is weird. And by the end of the first volume, I'm like, I need more. Yeah, and yeah. I'm I'm happy with what's going on with Netflix right now. It's a good way to do it. Yeah. Read the books. It's funny. I had the exact same reaction to Lock and Key <laughs> and the exact same outcome. Like, I don't know. I mean, I guess it looks interesting, but I don't know. And then by Something the end of it, the you're like, Right, yeah. <laughs> and you're just like... 
I don't know if I can look at this the whole time, but you do by the end of that first one. You're like, wow, this, I'm, where is this going? Right? Exactly. I need to know. And you sort of, it's weird when the story is so good. Again, I'm not saying art is bad. It's just, it's more personal taste than, than it is exclusively personal taste a lot of times. But like, it's great when a story is so good, it can kind of pull you over that hump. Mm-hmm. And then you almost end up liking the art more because, because it synthesizes, it. <laughs> you know, so closely with the story. Ice Cream Man, She Could Fly, same artist, weird art. Yeah. yeah. Great story. Yeah. I can't imagine any other artist working on these stories. Yeah. So. Yeah. Did you ever uh, get into Postal? Uh, no, I, I, I haven't. We have similar tastes and I'm wondering, like, Postal sucked me in a bad, I always say Postal is the best TV show on, on print, print. <laughs> okay. Like yeah. it is, it was almost, cre- I, I'm not sure this is, this is just speculation, but it's almost like they made it like purely for like, we're going to do this and it's going to be so obvious mm-hmm. that somebody will pick it up because every panel is almost like a storyboard panel. Yes. And it's so like, you can see the mechanics of it working. Like this could, I could see how to budget this and make this. It's a great graphic novel. It would be a great show too, but I mean, I'm happy it's a graphic novel, but it's the main storyline has ended and now they're almost doing like a kind of a sequel series okay. to it. So if you see it still coming into the shop, you're like, didn't this end? That's a newer continuation. Okay. But the main story ended, it's, very similar, like based on all the things you like mm. that I also like, I think mm. Postal would be one for you to check out. It's and you can start from the beginning. And it's the first volume is just as solid as everything else is. Okay, yeah. That's, see, that's an endorsement right there. Yeah. yeah that do you want, do you want the story pitch? The story pitch is <laughs> like imagine you know how like in in, in or like the you know what 1600s or whatever it was they put they took all the criminals from the UK and and sent them to Australia to basically mm. like live. Imagine. A town in Wyoming that served that same purpose. Only it wasn't Ooh. a government thing. It was a you know like kind of a secret thing where you know these criminals who you know there's no place for them in society. They come here for kind of a second chance at a normal yeah. life, and that is and the the mayor. Um, is this woman who kind of helps set up the town and her son is the postmaster of the town and he's kind of like a, a high functioning sociopath. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. So he kind of solves mysteries, not Sherlock Holmesy, but there's something about him that kind of straddles uh-huh. that. And then that's where they drop you in. And then from there, it just sort of, Imagine what a town in Wyoming that's not on the map of you know, murders and criminals would what would that turn into? Right. Uh, well, oh, sorry, that's right. And uh, I guess that sounds like is, is he solving the, crim- the crimes because in these cases because he wants to be a good person or because he's like um, interested in a weird way about him? You know, exactly like, all of the above. <laughs> so there's the, my picture proposal. I just so I'm surprised. I only bring it up because so many people who are really into comics haven't heard about it, you know, or, or have, but you're like, I don't know. And just it never quite. I've seen it and restocked it so much, but yeah. I'm like, oh, maybe one day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> be, I, I would I would be um, remiss to uh, if I didn't ask you what your thoughts were um, since we talked about Hickman, Powers of X, House of Ten, which just completed, and we're now in the the main X Men. If you're listening to the show in the future, at this point in time, we're into the main kind of X Men reboot, mm-hmm. all the different series. But Powers of Ten, House of X, brought us to that. Like, kind of basically took all of the X-Men canon and synthesized it into a single point and now have, have allowed this reboot to happen in such a clean way. I, Todd and I have talked about it to death, but like your take, I'm sure is I'm in one word excited. Yeah. yeah. Because he, be, be, everything I've read from Hickman that's been long form. Mm-hmm. And when he plans on staying on for a while, he doesn't say anything in his writings. He doesn't put anything in there that isn't unintentional. Mm-hmm. Little details that you're like, well, when, when when is that going to pay off? It may take years. Yeah. But when when it hits that payoff point, it's going to be worth it, and it's going to enrich the story. 
He's putting mutants where they should be. Mm-hmm. We've, we've known since, what, the 60s that they're the next step in evolution? Mm-hmm. And now we're here in 2020. It's about time to put them at the forefront. It's about time for Charles to realize, hey, you are the next step. Mm-hmm. This is where you need to be. Yeah. The fact that he's working with Apocalypse, with Magneto, he brought in Mr. Sinister, uh, you know, it's amazing. Uh, even Black Tom Cassidy, in, in his respect, and his protection of Professor X. I'm excited to see what Hickman's going to do because of his work independently, amazing. But if we're looking at Marvel, you have to compare it to his Marvel work. Mm-hmm. His Fantastic Four uh, established the Council of Reeds, set up the Fantastic Four in such a way that they now that they became... What's the word? Uh, you, you can't have the Marvel Universe without... Fantastic Four and the void that he he created when uh, he did Secret Wars and left them without um, Mr. Fantastic and Sue Storm and the kids and only Johnny and Ben were left on Earth. He did that intentionally so that way when they returned it would be impactful. Mm -hmm. What he's done with East of West, little things from the start up until where I'm at now, again one issue away from finishing he he makes promises but he makes good on those promises. Yeah, yeah. And he's made a lot of promises with the X-Men. It's just in the House of X and Powers of Ten. And in the first few issues of X-Men and New Mutants and the other creators, he's working with the other books. He's made so many promises that I'm excited to see when, when, when uh, you know, it, it comes to fruition. Well, he, I'm glad he did because I would have preferred, just be, because I have so much to read, I would have preferred Powers of X, House of Ten to kind of been like a self-contained thing. I appreciate that it's not because it gives us all this, this mm. but it means now I have to pay so much more attention <laughs> to X-Men going forward. Like, oh, yeah. why does Magneto suddenly wearing white? Like, I mean, all of these things that yeah, like, well, so. <laughs> which but we've talked about this briefly, but I want to pitch this to you on air. I have this theory that Hickman's white character is sort of his his um, dark tower. If you look back to, I mean, most of his, I think Red Mask for Mars was the first appearance, but in most of his series for Marvel or for independent creators or for independent creations, he's got at least one kind of white character that's either, you know, completely white and is absolutely representative of death, like in East to West, mm-hmm. or is sort of an immortal character or is kind of like an other, like in Black Monday Murders or um, Dying in the Dead or any of that stuff. And it's like, it was weird to see in house of X, like all of a sudden the cover, in that first cover that came out, you know, when they, when they did uh, house of X, they're all walking through the Krakoan portal mm-hmm. and you see Magneto in white. You're like, Oh my God, what? It, there it is again. Like yeah. this white character. The other really, the one I always forget to mention is um, in his uh, Avengers Illuminati kind of, little run he did there's like a basically like a harbinger character who comes from Black a different Swan. Black Swan yes same exact thing and Reed is also wearing his future foundation outfit yeah which is white and black so I almost wonder if he's you know intentionally even unintentionally kind of creating this sort of focal point that he you know when he's all done at his career he can kind of wrap everything to, around this mm-hmm. this idea and I just I mean it's because it keeps happening it keeps popping up well and, and something I've noticed <clears throat> you know reading the comics the, the way I do and, and a Magneto point which now that you've mentioned the the theme there I'm, I'm making these connections in my brain yeah. and I'm like holy shit that's exactly what it is Magneto wears uh, white when he believes he's doing exactly what's what's right he's doing what uh. he thinks he should be doing no matter the consequence mm-hmm. not acting in anger not killing people like that last time we saw him wear white like this was I want to say uh, the last days of Magneto before Secret Wars okay and he went to go find uh, you know like people Nazis who had escaped and he's like I'm going to finish what I started not killing people I'm killing Nazis yeah and I'm like okay cool and now that we see him wearing white again he feels justified yeah he's doing the right thing again he was also wearing white um, when Scott was uh, after after, uh, the events of AVX and 
uh, Scott Summers had his group of offshoot mutants at the Weapon X facility, and Magneto's like, I'm going to I'm gonna go back to training kids. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to do right by Charles. Mm-hmm. Death in East of West is doing what he knows is right, no Ooh, matter the consequence. Yeah. Reed, when he is doing Future Foundation and when he's part of the Illuminati, is doing what he thinks is right, regardless of consequence. I think that's... Even you know, Black Swan, she's like, look, we have to blow up these worlds, otherwise the whole universe that's dies. That's it, man. That's interesting. Ooh. Now I need to go back. Uh-huh. <laughs> because Black Monday Murders is the only thing, because the, it's almost like the kind of the... I don't know, have you j- jumped into that yet? No. Oh, dude, get ready. <laughs> I know I, I know it's going to be something that I, I won't be able to pull myself out of. I so am I'm hoping... We did a book club episode last time about that, just Todd and I, but I'm hoping... EV does a book club for Black Monday Murders because yeah. it is it will be so worth it. Um, but there's a char- kind of the same characters appear there, but they're almost like witches familiars. Kind of they're they're sort oh, of these. Yeah. But I'm I'm gonna go back now and re look at all the different appearances and see because I like this. Like if there's an intent, even because I first thought, well, it all represents death, but I'm like that's too easy. There's something else going on here, and I like this take. Mm-hmm. I like this idea that it, yeah, it's characters who feel they're absolutely justified in what they're doing, no matter what. No matter the, what. Uh, yeah. yeah. They, they may have to sink a freighter. Yeah. Yeah. But that's Ooh. what it costs. Oh, that was worth bringing up. I like that. <laughs> I mentioned this to a guy at a shop in Portland, and his, you know, not even at that level, just saying like, did you ever notice? And he's like, oh, and he immediately started going through, and I was like, oh no, <laughs> I thought this was more obvious, but, but it's, I'm gonna keep I keep an eye on it because like now that he's done with East of West and he's kind of he has more time for other stuff. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm curious what. Where that pops up. Um, let's do. I always like to to kind of close out on the lightning round. Yeah, man, hit me with fun it. stuff. Um, right out of the gate, we're both big Dragon Ball Z fans. <laughs> Favorite DBZ villain. Oh. Knowing that many of them ultimately become friends or heroes, but like you know, it, you know, yeah. it, villains. You know, it's got to be Perfect Cell. Really? Yeah. Mm. The, I mean, if we're talking villain, like in that sense, I mean, you know, you, you want to say Frieza. Yeah. You want to say Frieza, but that's so obvious. It's right there with Cell and all the other androids that came before Cell yeah. and then that absorbing of them. Uh, something about that messed me up as a kid. And yeah. so when you say villain, I'm like, no, that's that's a bad guy. Like, yeah. that is a bad, bad guy. Um, he's also deliciously malevolent. And he just sort of like, especially when we became perfect, he was just like, you could tell this is a character who was so confident. Like Frieza seemed very insecure most of the time. Yeah. Um, you know, even as Frieza was like evolving into like the different, it's just like constantly insecure. So was like, once he became perfect, he's like, I, you know what? I'm just going to hang out here. <laughs> That's right. You know, this wacky newscaster is just being annoying. I'm, it doesn't matter. I don't care. Yeah. You, you almost want to say Majin Buu, but you know, you almost do. I also like big chubby boo. You know, <laughs> Majin Buu was interesting though because Majin Buu broke all the rules. Like, you know, they they're like, we're safe in the hyperbolic time chamber. Oh shit! And <laughs> That's like, right. No, you're not. <laughs> Majin Buu shows up, so that was interesting. You know, and then the fact that he Majin Buu had this great kind of reincarnation arc at mm-hmm. the end, which you know, if you haven't seen it, and in super fantastic. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Um, man, okay, interesting. Okay, so I would, I think, Sal would probably. It's we we forget Piccolo was a villain first too. Yes, yes, you do, but. I mean, when that man became Gohan's stepfather, yeah. you know, yeah, his adoptive dad. Yeah. 
Yeah, no. Yeah, Piccolo yeah. Piccolo is my favorite, and uh, I will never look at him as a villain. It will never <laughs> get better for me. Even though the animation was nah, a little eh, it will never get better for me than when Piccolo goes to Namek. After, you know, he, he's the one they resurrect. He goes mm-hmm. to Namek, and he fuses with Nail, like the other Namekian who was mm-hmm. kind of the, the guardian of um, their they're sort of high priest, I forget, uh, guru. Um, he fuses with Nail, and he goes to confront Frieza. And, like, he just wipes the floor with Frieza. And that fr- I'm like, oh, <laughs> my God. And it starts with him, like, after he fuses, he's like, I can do this. I can do it. And you're just like, yes, Piccolo. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. I was just, I, I remember, like, watching that on Cartoon Network, like, literally punching a hole in my wall. Dude. Like, I'm like, this is the, because Piccolo for me was, until Vegeta had a heel turn, I was just like, Piccolo was, was it for me. Because he's he's such a great character, man. There's a reason why I got a pop figure of him. I got a statue of him. Yeah. I mean, I, I I you know cosplayed as him a few years back, and it's just he's 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 my favorite. But he's a, he's like the thousand shades of gray character. He he's kind of like that prototypical Western you know character, just kind of like you know he's above the law. He'll do what he thinks is right by his own justice. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's super complicated. Mm-hmm. And like, he's, you know, Goku's all like, you know, sunshine and rainbows. <laughs> and like, everything's cool. Yeah, I want to fight you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and without any, like he's he, Goku's like the personification of pure innocence. And like, I think Goku, like Piccolo was always the adult in the room, you know, uh-huh. just like, all right guys, <laughs> that is such a good way to put that. I mean, you, you think about it when like, Goku's off fighting whoever, um, you know, like the main battle's happening. Like Piccolo is the one kind of at home base going, okay, here's what we got to do. Uh, Trunks and Goten, you're going to fuse. We're going to get this right. Like he's the one kind of the tactician because mm-hmm. his power, you know, as it goes on, his power gets less and less sure, interesting, sure. sadly, but cool. I like, okay. So I like that. We'll do a Dragon Ball Z podcast next time. <laughs> um, He-Man or G.I. Joe? Um, you know, it depends. I, I, I want to say He-Man, but um, I, I grew up with a little more G.I. Joe. Ah. I am. Really is kind of what you started with. Yeah, and uh, I mean, as bad as those movies were when I saw them, you know, when I was younger, it, they weren't too bad. Going back and watching them as an adult, they're, they're garbage. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, G.I. Joe, uh, for sure. Um, I, I loved all their stupid names and their gimmicks. You know? I, I just love that that uh, Cobra is the only evil organization that announces itself when yes. it arrives. Cobra! <laughs> In case you all forgot, we have the logos on our helicopters. But we're going to tell you anyway. Yeah. In case you can't read or, or if there's any blind G.I. Joe's like Soundwave because they also have like Transformer names. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's just weird. That was great branding, too. That's like Cobra <laughs> Commander knew that. He started an agency after that was done. He's like, we're going to be we're going to go to Chicago <laughs> brand corporations. <laughs> Let me tell you what happens. When you, <laughs> you have to always say your name when you come in. <laughs> You, you own the room when you do that. You know? I'm gonna have to. Uh, this is a sketch worth doing. By the I was way, right, yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm also gonna have to start going into places and being like Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> what? And have your like logo like on your arm. <laughs> and just sit down. It's like just making sure. Yeah, just so you guys know. Hey, favorite Ghostbuster. Uh, Spangler. Ooh. Um, I like that he is the brains behind all of this, uh-huh. and and when you start to see his stuff come into play, he's just like like yes, like I do it, like we can trap ghosts, we can we can we can help people. Yeah. And then of course you've got you know, you've got your your other Ghostbusters who will remain nameless who want to just make a buck off of it. Yeah, yeah. I like that Spangler is still there, and he's kind of I don't want to say he's the heart, but in a way he kind of is. Kind of is, yeah. So, yes, All right. uh, absolutely Spangler. No wrong answer for that question, <laughs> no, obviously. No. Um, best in best iteration of Batman in any medium. Ooh. Ooh. Right? <laughs> Man. My uh, answer to this changes often. Yeah, you know, I, um, 
I always like Christian Bale's Batman. Mm-hmm. Not not his Bruce Wayne, but his his Batman. Mm-hmm. But um, for my money, I, I'm going to have to go with... So, okay, I'll, I'll give you a couple. Uh, animated, it's going to be uh, animated series, mm-hmm. obviously. Live action, it's going to be Christian Bale's Batman. Um, in comic books, it's going to be Hush. Mm. Because the Batman in Hush um, was so close to breaking his code and had to have Commissioner Gordon put a gun to his head and say, hey, man, if you cross this line, I'll hunt you down. Yeah. Like, we're, we're allies, but if you kill this man, yeah. you, you, you break down everything that uh, you, you stood for. Uh, equally hard question, favorite Marvel movie? Hmm. Favorite Marvel movie? Are we going, mm, well... Not, does it have to be best, just like your personal favorite? That's a tough one, because... Okay, so it's a tie between... Uh, ties are, two, ties two, are fine. Yeah, and, and, and they're both Captain America movies. Ah. Um, a, a Winter Soldier, which just did it for me so many times, when, yeah. when, the, when the action was perfectly paced, the, the jokes weren't uh, in your face, you know, kind of deal. Um, what else can I rhyme with that? I already did two. Uh, let's see, uh, and, and Captain America Civil War. Yeah. Something about that coming to life and seeing, you know, heroes face off. Sure, it wasn't as big as the comic Civil War, but still a fun movie. You get to see Ant-Man go to Giant-Man at one point. And no, I, I had no idea uh, a Spider-Man was going to be in this movie. Oh, that must have been killer for you. Yeah, I, I stayed away from trailers. I How did you from... avoid that? I, I, went, I, I went radio. I, I, just, I just went dark. I, I, I shut off my Facebook. I said I, I didn't go to any websites. That's awesome. Like that. I, and, and when it happened... I I lost it. I was in the theater just like, yes, yes. <laughs> Man. Um, I wish I had that innocence going into that. That would have been so great. It was, it, uh, it took a lot to get that. I bet. You know, not going it's in knowing it, anything. And, and absolutely fantastic. You also get Black Panther's introduction. Oh, just after seeing, not to dunk on the easily dunkable, but Thor 2 yeah. and... Uh, Age of Ultron, which isn't the worst movie. It's just there's some parts in it that really take you out of the, the magic of yeah. it. Yeah. And then you get something like Civil War where it's like, hey, guys, all your actions do have consequences. Yeah. It's time to pay the bill. Yeah. And yeah. I, I love that. Awesome. Um, this is probably an easy answer, but favorite comic book shop. And you can say you can you can give it the obligatory answer and then um, the, another answer. No, comes. I'm actually going to say Austin Books and Comics in uh, Austin, Texas. Nice. Um, yeah. Good no, shout out. I love that shop so much. They've got they also got this huge Hulk statue or not statue, but uh, it, it's life size. You can stand by it and see how tall you would be compared to the Hulk. That's it, awesome. Oh, man. Great section. Great selection. Great back uh, stock. Cool figures, uh, amazing toys, great prices, great staff. Um, they they never let me down in the whole time I was in Austin. Austin Books and Comics, my absolute favorite comic book shop. Damn, that's a great recommendation. Um, Independence Day or Men in Black? Men in Black. Good. Um, <laughs> best song from the '80s. I didn't say favorite. I mean, I say best. I want to hear. I want to hear what you think the best song. The, mm. I'm not going to judge you because best song from the '80s. <laughs> Uh, it's gonna be Square Biz by Whoa. Tiffany. Whoa! Is it Tiffany who sings that? Let's find out. <laughs> yeah, Square yeah. Biz. Uh, it is so. Um, watch, it's gonna be from like the early '90s. Is it Stephanie? Oh my God! Square Biz. Uh, Tina Marie. Tina Marie. And when did that come out? Oh, great question. Nineteen. Let's look here. Eighty-one. Ah, yes. Wow. Got it. Early '80s too. Dang, that's a deep cut. Oh man, it is like. 
you know how like when rap was uh, first really taken off and everyone kind of had that same cadence and you know yeah 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 <laughs> like, dun, 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 so we dun, clap dun, our hands and let <laughs> we go to dance and everybody's gonna come and do a thing you know I'm like oh yeah okay cool this is so much that but uh, <laughs> it's it's the kind of um, dancey thing you'd expect like in uh, L A in like the eighties or nineties or even New York where it's like oh here's the kids dancing on the uh, in the streets and on the um, <laughs> <laughs> the, the the fire escapes kind yeah, of yeah, deal. Yeah. It's man, if you have not heard Square Biz by Tina Marie, listen to it and hate me later. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love this question because I'm getting such interesting answers. Like it's never it's never the it's never like kind of a straightforward. I love people are going deep. I love this question. That's great. It's, and I'm a big '80s music fan, so I have I haven't heard this in oh, a long oh, long time. Yeah, it's it's on my because uh, I, I found it recently on an old CD, and I'm like. Oh, that's going on the Spotify playlist. Yes. That's now in rotation, and uh, I can't get enough of it. it it's <laughs> There's never not a right, there's never a wrong time to listen to the song. Love it. Final question, um, and this is something we haven't talked about much because I didn't. I always never know who's a big Doctor Who fan because uh, I'm a big Doctor Who fan, but... I am a uh, Whovian. Oh, my God. If you're, <laughs> he is showing me right now an amazing wrist tattoo of like a Time Lord symbol. that Gallifreyan looks Gallifreyan, text, yeah. And it's an Amy Poehler quote. Whoa. Uh, the doing is the thing. How the hell did you translate that? I went through five different translators <laughs> online and found that they matched up, and the ones that matched up, and said, okay, that's the closest I'll get. Oh, my God. So we're going to have to have a Doctor... You're going to have to come back and have a Dragon Ball Z cast episode and a Doctor Who cast. <laughs> oh, yeah, man, I'm in. I can go deep, but um, favorite Doctor? <sighs> and you can give me different ones for different reasons, but yeah. if you had to pick, if, if one was, if you wanted one to come, you know, save you from certain doom. Oh, I mean, okay. <laughs> Because you want both a, 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 te- a, a technical competency, but you also want a personality that you're like, okay, I, I'm going to hang with this guy or gal. Because, you know, mm, that is that is so tough, man. I, you know, I, I love Matt Smith and I love David Tennant. And I, I think the thing is David Tennant would try the hardest to save me. Mm-hmm. But then you also got to go back to the fifth doctor with yep. celery in his, <laughs> uh, his shirt. Mm, and and he, he would save you. Mm-hmm. But then it, how bad is the danger? Because Capaldi, but I'm not talking season one Capaldi. I'm talking his final season Capaldi. Yep. That that mad professor yes. would go to the ends of the earth and burn shit down just yes. to make sure you're okay. I'm going to have to say season three of his run Capaldi. Yes! Yeah. <laughs> We are definitely on the same page. Any answer would have been acceptable, but there's something about uh, Capaldi for me. Like I have, I'm going to cry saying it. I have never blubbered. And my wife was there to see it so hard. Then that the finale episode, the uh, twice where he transitions and it's like, where he regenerates rather well, he transitions and regenerates, but like, the the idea to see it, he's the first doctor actor who could who took the doctor on a true arc yes. from one thing to a very different thing and then to tie that into his final monologue mm. i might make you cry saying don't this don't do it man that whole okay so that i i submit to you and to our listeners that that episode of doctor who i'm going to put the the jody whitaker stuff in a different box because they're elevating it to such a new level that it's almost not fair oh there's um, so much good stuff in this last season <laughs> in this current season so we're just going to put we're going to put a pin in that for now uh, my, i have a, a friend of mine brianna says that's not fair it has to all be the same like no 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 we're going to put that just over here but i submit to you that that twice upon a time that last Capaldi episode where the original William Hartnell Doctor appears is the greatest episode of Doctor Who of all time because it is about 
It just it happens to be about. I'm getting chills over here just thinking about but it. Wait till I give you my because you haven't heard my 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 sort of my take on this. Oh. On one level, it is about two old guys helping each other die. You can <laughs> yeah. almost imagine that story occurring in like a a, a a ward at like a sick ward in a hospital mm-hmm. or something, and you could have that same script almost work very functionally. But then you get to his and so I'm I'm already in a mess just from having to deal with that and and seeing and Bill. And Bill. Bill is one of the best companions of oh all time. Oh, my about God. Bill. But then you get to his monologue. And it didn't – I blubbered so much. And, I, and at first I didn't – I thought, oh, I was just sad that he's going. But then I rewatched it with this in mind. I'm like, oh, no, this is why. Uh-huh. You get to that last monologue. And it, you think about what he's saying. And it's everything he's learned along the way. And it's like he's – this is a letter he's writing to a daughter he know he'll never get to meet. This is what I want you to be. Mm-hmm. It's like he's telling the next doctor, I want you to be this. I want you – like, I'm never going to get to see you grow up. Mm-hmm. So here – and then when he changes and you see Whitaker standing there, and you're like, oh, my <laughs> God. Oh, my God. Oh, God, dude. <laughs> I started – and then I – and so when I hit that, then I cried even harder the next time. It took me five times watching that just to watch it without being a complete utter mess yeah no and then and then so then you take that into watching these Whitaker episodes and you're like man all I think of is like your dad would be so proud of you (laughs) Uh uh-huh uh-huh yeah no exactly for me the the Capaldi moment I have uh I think it was uh, his second season when he's trapped in that prison Mm -hmm. and he's beating his fist against the diamond rock and he keeps going back and yeah that sold me on Capaldi, mm-hmm. but then when you get the Zygon inversion mm-hmm. and he talks to the Zygon Clara and um, uh, Kate uh, Stewart, Stewart, yeah, yeah, and he gives him the speech about changing or dying stupid, yes, and oh, <laughs> he's he's so good, he's yes. changed, he he grew, he stopped being so angry, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he starts off very angry, very very distant, and he becomes almost like Doc Brown from Back to the Future. He becomes this yes! like this <laughs> just wonderfully warm, and his hair gets bigger as he goes. That's my too, favorite thing. He's know? got the professor hair, <laughs> and they become. And then they just decide, well, let's just make him a professor. And it's amazing. He, of course, I would take his class. Yeah, I, I would go and audit all those. Yeah, yeah. man, I'm so glad. I because I will. I every once in a while I'll encounter someone. He's like, yeah, Pacali's Pacali's okay. I'm like. Oh my God! I have to like I have to stop myself from having, uh-huh. and I get that you know everybody's doctor. Some of it's like you know your 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 sensibility. Some of it's like you know people like Matt Smith because he's more whimsical. But I I've never seen a, an actor do so much with a character and bring it to just like this perfect conclusion. And I'm like I the show could just end right now. Right. Like, well, and I mean the reason I say the hard choice was between Tennant and yeah. Capaldi. I love Tennant to death. Mm-hmm. I he's do too. amazing from his first. You know, from the day he arrived on the planet and blinking stepped into the sun, um, to his—that's a great shout out on multiple levels. <laughs> to his, uh, I don't want to go. Unfortunately, though, Tenet says more often than any doctor, "I'm sorry, I'm so sorry." Yeah, that's right. A lot of people have died in his care. The one who uh, you know lost everything, the one who forgot everything, the one who, what is it? The one who remembers and the one who forgets uh, with the day of the doctor. Mm-hmm. And then you get Capaldi who decides no more. Yeah, I'm not losing anyone else ever again yeah, yeah that's why you want him to save you yeah that's why you want him on your side he is the smartest man in the room and he's also the most compassionate yeah it's yet yeah, perfect way oh my god that's a perfect way to summarize it because he did he is he becomes the most compassionate mm-hmm. doctor at the end of it 
Oh, right. <laughs> we will definitely have to come yeah. back and do a Doctor Who cast because now that I know a you're a, fa- you're a hardcore fan, but b that we're on the same page about that, <laughs> we can go deep. Oh yeah. Oh my heavens. Well, man, it's been so much fun. Um, anything else you want to you know, promote or anything or shout out again? Uh, um, Escaping yeah. podcast. Thank you for having me. Um, you know, Escaping podcast. We we're actually getting um our own little um independent network going. Yes. Um, we've got Excellent. one spinoff show going right now, and that's Yo, where the captions at. If you listen to Escaping Kelsey, my co-host, he. Uh, and his buddy Ross take a different look on pop culture and what's going on there. Um, got a couple new shows coming out, Space Pirate Radio. Be on the lookout for that. Nice. And uh, another one of the works that we'll, we'll tell you about later. But mostly just check out Escaping Podcast. Um, you can find me online, Daniel Rojas on Facebook, uh, Blue Morpho on Instagram, one word, the O's are zeros. And um, I guess if you close your eyes and think really hard, you'll probably find me there too. Um, yeah. so. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, uh, we've it's been great, man. Thank you so much for coming oh, by. Thank you for having me, man. Thanks for amazing. listening. Um, you can find us anywhere podcasts are found. Uh Spotify, not yet actually. We actually are not on Spotify at the moment. We were, and now we're we're kind of in transition. But everywhere else, <laughs> Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, all of the above. And then we're panelism.inc. That's panelism.inc on Instagram. And that is actually also our website address, panelism.inc. Yes, it's it's that's an extension, not dot com, not dot us, just dot inc. You'll find all our past episodes, other shows. Check them out. Definitely check out uh, Daniel's shows and we will probably have you back on sooner than later, sir. Man, I, I really hope so. Uh, also, one last shout out. If you haven't tried it, put your hash browns in a waffle maker. You'll thank me later. Oh, my God. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do that when I get home. Um, thanks for listening. We'll catch you later. Happy reading. Happy reading.